Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey. By Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, a handful of stuff we're getting into today in a world of baseball, sports, and unified America. And as always, I'm glad to be with you. Um, we're going to touch a little bit about the Lakers. And it, it's probably a well-known fact, but the Lakers certainly are in trouble as it, it doesn't look good. If they're going to get past the Phoenix Suns, you look at Chris Paul and his injury and Anthony Davis and his injury, and I don't think they necessarily uh, counteract each other. They don't match. You know, it's not matching injury for injury. I think one has certainly more of an impact on the game in the series as the others. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the passing of former Major League pitcher Mike Marshall and his impact on the game of baseball. But we're going to start out by... Uh, certainly uh, letting people's blood boil a little bit because I think this is going to be uh, another one of those situations where you, you take a, a stance on something and there's people that are going to be upset over it. And you think of the game last night between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the New York Mets. Uh, Bob Brenly, the broadcaster of the Arizona Diamondbacks, makes and, 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 and I, I don't know where it comes from. Because I just think it was completely unnecessary. Decides if you if you didn't hear about it or didn't know about it, the uh, the do rag mention uh, in regards to Marcus Stroman, what he was wearing on the mound, and you got to understand that if you're a broadcaster today, if you're a broadcaster in today's game uh, of baseball or any sport, you got to understand the power of the woke. That there's going to be people that are are listening. And listening with the intention to dissect what it is that you're going to say. And if you say something that is racist, which calling a, a hat or some sort of head covering that somebody is wearing a do-rag is not going to be taken too well by America today. It shouldn't have been accepted in 1940-something had somebody chosen to wear something like that. And it will not be accepted right now. So what's going to be the ramifications of this? The public outcry, the roar from people that are upset and offended over this probably will get to Bally you know, management, who is in charge of the, their broadcasting team. And there probably will be some repercussions against the former World Series winning manager and now broadcaster of the Arizona Diamondbacks. There's some things, listen, you just have to you have to understand. And I try to understand it in the little rinky dink show that I that I do that nobody freaking listens to. But I, I know that there's a way that I need to conduct myself. I don't have the authority or ability to say whatever I want. I could piss people off, I could push the line a little bit, I could get under people's skin. That's all within the confines of what I'm able to do as a talk show host. If you're pissed off at what I say, you could yell and scream at me all you want, but I still have the right to conduct myself in an antagonizing way if I want to. But I'm not going to come at you for who you are. I'm not going to come at you for what you look like. I'm not going to come at you for the way you're dressed. And I'm not going to come at you for any stereotypes that anybody could possibly come up with. Now, I've spoken a lot about second chances 
And I do believe that somebody that makes a racist comment or somebody that uh, conducts themselves in an unprofessional manner, maybe a harassing nature. Uh, you look at Marzell Ozuna and uh, the uh, terrible accusations against him in regards to strangling his wife, that I, I believe that there should be punishment to fit the crime. So if what somebody did is against the law and results in jail time, that person should have to serve their time. But once they serve their time, they should have the right to acclimate themselves back into society. And that includes having a job and working. You heard my stance on Jared Porter. Jared Porter deserved to be fired for his actions and his prolonged accostment of, of a woman and potentially you know, sending pictures. He deserved to lose his job. But does he deserve to not work again? Well, number one, he needs to be contrite about it. He needs to have some sort of remorse for what he did. And I think over time, he does deserve a chance to work in baseball again. Don Imus. You know, that made that hideous comment again, again about the Rutgers women's basketball team was fired. Now, did he did he have a lifetime sentence and never work again? No. He worked again. He got a job. He, he worked, you know, right before he ended up retiring and, uh, you know, a little time before he passed away. So there is redemption for people that say and do stupid things. And what Bob Brenly said on the broadcast does deserve some sort of ramification. Should he lose his job? Well, it, it, it might not it might not be a bad thing at this point. Because I think what it does is it sends the message, a message, to everybody that works in the world of broadcasting, everybody that hosts the talk show, that you really should be careful about what it is that you go out there and say. You don't have the right to say whatever you want. And if Bob Brenly thought that the do-rag comment was funny, then maybe he should have said it off air. Maybe he should have tested it in front of somebody and says, hey, how is this going to be perceived? He didn't do any of that. And, and he said it, he said it in, in such a way where he kind of thought it was funny. You're going to hear people that are going to stand up for Bob Brenly and say, no, he's not racist. You're going to hear 2021 Arizona Diamondbacks that were World Series champions talking about how he was the manager for everybody. This, this is not a good look for Bob Brenly. This is not a good look for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And something does have to be done about it. You, know, you had the comment last year made by Tom Brenneman, a long-time broadcaster, well-respected Fox broadcaster, did football and baseball games for many years. His father is one of the best broadcasters to ever live in Marty Brenneman. He was caught with a hot mic making a stupid comment about gays, and that cost him his job. It may cost him a chance to ever work in broadcasting again. And like I said, I believe that he should get another shot somewhere down the road if he really is contrite and feels bad and is remorseful for what he did. 
Not just the fact that it was caught on a hot mic, but the fact that he would make that type of statement. You make that type of statement where a mic can be picked up, that means that you're capable of making that statement all the time. That means that that is a, a representation of how it is that you feel. And you know what? I, th- I think we're, we're all grown and understanding enough to know that that type of sediment exists. We know that people feel that way. Well, you don't want to get labeled. You don't want to get profiled. Then if you do feel that way, don't ever let anybody know that you feel that way. And Bob Brenly, what he did on the broadcast last night, made it known that he prejudges black people. That he has some sort of racist bone in his body. If he didn't, he, he would have thought about making that hideous comment before he made it. He went and he said it. It could come at the expense of his job. But like I said, I'll go ambivalent here. I'll play the role of a politician because I do have another stance on this when it comes to the person's right to work. If, he, if the choice is for him to be fired and lose his job, I don't think it should come with a life sentence. I don't think it should come with a penalty of never being able to work in this type of industry again. Marcelo Ozuna, who may have to serve jail time for the assault and battery of his wife, when he has paid his price, when he has served his time, when he has been convicted and sentenced, and his time is up, he should have the right to play baseball again. A lot of people don't like to hear that. A lot of people want life sentences for all these things that come out. And how would you like it if it happened to you? Like I said, a hot mic situation. There's nobody that is listening to the program, not listening to the program. And we know the, uh, the, <laughs> the exponential amount of people that aren't listening to the program as opposed to are listening to the program. But we, we know that many... Many people, most of us, if not all of us, have said something that they we wish we didn't say. Whether it was something that was heard, overheard by somebody who didn't want to hear it. Whether it's something that came out of our mouth and then we realized that we don't really believe that. Why did we say it? And we've also evolved. We've also taken different stances when it comes to how we feel about certain things. Society has grown a long way. There's been racist generations that have been taken over by non-racist people, non-homophobic people. So if we give society over time the opportunity to change, we should do that for the individual as well. A couple more points I want to hit up on baseball. And you know, Diamondbacks, Giants was something I was going to talk about today. Uh, you know, obviously you have the Bob Brenly racist comment about Marcus Stroman's head covering. So I could segue right into my thought of the Giants and the Diamondbacks. And you say, what do the San Francisco Giants have to do with the Arizona Diamondbacks? 
And I spoke about this kind of prior to the beginning of the season in baseball. The National League West, if everything that was expected was going to hold true, if the San Diego Padres, who won the offseason, were going to be as good as they were expected to be, if the Los Angeles Dodgers, the defending World Series champions, were going to be as good as they are, if the Colorado Rockies, after giving away Nolan Arenado and paying the St. Louis Cardinals $50 million for him not to play for him, were going to be as bad as they are going to be, then it leaves the Giants and the Diamondbacks in a very weird position. And, and I think most experts or most people that were predicting the National League West said the Dodgers are going to be real good, the Padres are going to be real good. The Giants and the Diamondbacks are going to be somewhere in the middle and the Colorado Rockies are just going to be bad. My, my point that I tried to make before the season is you're going to have three good teams and two bad teams in that division. The amount of games that are played between division, you know, each team plays its own rivals within the division 18 times. There's going to be three teams that are going to win they're going to beat up each other. They're going to beat up the bad teams. And two teams have to be really bad. There's no room for two really good teams in a division, two 500-type teams in a division, and one really bad team. So I felt the need to decide between the Giants and the Diamondbacks in regards to one team that was going to be good and one team that was not going to be good. And I've been following the movement of both of the, the teams, how they're developing their players, how they're kind of taking a stance and moving forward and looking to be better baseball teams. Farhan Zaidi is a very good executive. You know, he goes back to the days with the Oakland Athletics. Of course, his years with the Dodgers and his impact there for obviously a team and an organization that's been good for a very long time. He goes over to the Giants. You know, it was going to take a little time. The problem with the Giants when Zaidi took over was just a, a whole lot of older players, kind of legacies that are hanging around because of the Giants World Series championships. And you know what? If you go out there and do what the San Francisco Giants did and win three World Series championships in five years, then legacies are going to exist. You're going to hold on to certain players because of their impact on those World Series championship teams. And a couple of years are going to go by. A couple of bad years may go by. And a lot of people are going to turn a blind eye to it. They're going to say, it's okay. You, you won three World Series championships in five years. Yes, the diehardest of diehard fans are going to nitpick and are going to be a little greedy and are going to be a little pissed off. But the problem is going to kind of be swept under the rug because of the three World Series championships in five years. And... You can talk about the Yankees winning their four World Series in five years in 96 and 98 through 2000. Getting back to the World Series in 2001 and 2003. There was going to be some time through the first decade of the 2000s that it was going to be acceptable for the New York Yankees to not win the World Series every year. And I know it's hard to say for the Yankee fan that really feels like it's, it's God's gift and they are destined to win the World Series every year. And that's what's supposed to happen. 
but there's some grace period that's involved when you win for a long period of time. And the expectation is the players that led you to the World Series championships in such a short period are going to be able to do that again. And that's kind of a, a misstatement, but it's a belief. So as the Giants finally turn things over, their farm system gets a little bit better. And you look at some of the moves that are made by the Giants front office. They bring in Kevin Gosman, a one-time highly touted prospect with the Baltimore Orioles. He becomes a good pitcher for them. Alex Wood, Johnny Cueto is still there. Do you release Johnny Cueto or you give him a chance to pitch? Jake McGee is over there pitching the ninth inning. So I looked at some of this and felt that they could score enough runs and I thought they have enough depth in their pitching that they could legitimately compete for a wild card spot this year. And I said this in March. Now the Giants have the best record in the National League. I'm not going to go that far and say that I predicted that that was going to happen. But there was going to have to be one team, either the Giants or the Diamondbacks, that were going to either overachieve or were going to be really good this year. And it's going to come at the expense of the other team. And you watch the Diamondbacks as they lost 12 games in a row. And you ask yourself the question, are they as bad as they were during that losing streak? And you probably say no. But I think this is something that's going to handicap them the rest of the season. We spoke about earlier the Minnesota Twins, their bad start. At some point, you look at the record. And as we quote the great Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. You could get off to a bad start. You could be 10, 12, 15 games over 500. And at some point, you stand up and you have to acknowledge that you are what you are. It may not be ideal. It may not be what you feel you are. But at some point, you become what your record says you are. Now, the Twins have played better baseball. Are they going to be okay? Are they going to get themselves in a position where they're going to start winning more games and be that competitive team in the American League Central like they're supposed to be? Maybe. But maybe not. At some point, they may be exactly what their record says they are. The Diamondbacks right now are what their their record says they are. Could they go on a little bit of a streak? Well, it's going to be tough when you're playing the Giants, who conversely on the other side may have had some naysayers, some doubters within the organization and their own fan base. But you know what? They got the best record in the National League. They're winning games against the Dodgers. They're winning games against the Padres. They're holding their own against what a lot of people believe are two of the best teams in Major League Baseball. At some point, you are what your record says you are. The San Francisco Giants have every right to believe they're as good as any team in baseball right now. And I think you're going to continue to see this run its course. I think the Giants are going to have that belief in a positive way. The Diamondbacks are going to have that belief in a negative way. So I I think you're going to see the Giants in a position. Are they going to make the playoffs this year? I don't know. You look at those teams in the National League East, and everybody keeps telling me, the NL East, the NL East, the NL East. Five teams, they're all good. They don't look so good right now. The Mets are on the top of their division, sitting there five games over 500 with some flaws, battling a lot of injuries. You're looking at the rest of that division, and you're seeing a, a, a lot of teams under 500. 
I'm not impressed with the NL East. So our teams in that division all of a sudden going to click it into gear and make a run for the playoffs? Because it looks like it's going to be Giants, Dodgers, Padres, one of those teams winning the division, the other two teams grabbing those the wild card spots. The NL Central, the Cubs are playing pretty good baseball. The Cardinals, a lot of people have said that's their division to win. I think the Giants are here to stay. And yes, I think the Diamondbacks are probably in the top five or the top seven or eight in regards to the worst teams in Major League Baseball right now. So Major League Baseball is looking to institute a rule which is going to keep roster restrictions in place. Teams are not going to be able to carry more than 13 pitchers on their own roster at a time. And I think... It's about time. It's something Major League Baseball had spoken about that we're going to implement before the 2020 season. And then the coronavirus hit. The truncated 2020 season of 60 games happened. And the last two years, baseball has said, you know what, we're not going to implement this because uh, we want to make sure we're all right in regards to health and safety protocols. Well, now that the majority of the country is opened up again, now that there are no restrictions in most places, baseball is going to get back to trying to work on its problem. And I do think it's the fact that fans are not very interested in the product they're seeing on the field. You could hype up StatCast and Launch Angle and Exit Velocity. And while there are people that are interested in it, I, I look at it as a tool. Kind of like wins above replacement. I, I use it as a tool for what it is. It's not the only thing in baseball. I don't I don't hate StatCast and Launch Angle and Exit Velocity. But, but I do think that there's a lot of people that are having a hard time following a game in which hitters are striking out at a record high pace. That there's very little balls put into play. You, know, you go, you take the time to drive, you know, whatever it is to go to a major league ballpark or even a minor league ballpark, and you go out there and you see very few balls put in play. A lot of it has to do with the strength of the pitchers. The pitchers are throwing harder than they ever had before. Spin rates are making the ball move in ways that it hasn't before. Hitters are having a hard time making contact. And because of that, there's less action in the game. So I think if you limit the amount of pitchers that could be on a given roster, that's going to keep teams from being able to run uh, 100 mile an hour throwing with ridiculous movement reliever after 100 mile an hour throwing with ridiculous movement reliever at a team in a given game. And I think this needs to happen. Offense needs to be increased a little bit, not just home runs. You want to say you want to liven a ball up so a couple more balls go out of the ballpark? I don't think that's going to save baseball. I don't think that's going to make baseball more interesting and entertaining. More balls put into play. More singles and doubles. And listen, I'm not talking about bringing back the bunt and the stolen base. I'm not talking about pitchers sacrificing. I'm talking about balls put in play, which very few people are talking about the lack of balls put into play because that provides action. That provides something to watch and follow. Not just strikeouts while you're sitting in the front row falling asleep. I think you should probably go down to 12 or 11 pitchers on a given roster. And here's another thing that needs to happen. 
you, you may not want to hear this. You may love those circus acts and charades that are put within a baseball game when you see some goofy position player that's never pitched in a major league game go out there and pitch a mop-up inning or two in the eighth or ninth inning of a game their team is getting blown out in. Well, I think that's got to go too. Maybe Major League Baseball have the balls to implement a rule that will keep position players from being able to take the mound unless it's an extra inning situation. You want to get rid of the runner at second base to start extra innings, which I'm 100% in favor of. Well, if a team wants to give up a game that's tied, then sure, at extra innings, you could go save your arms and your bullpen. But these position players pitching have turned the game into a charade. They've turned the game into a circus. And if you're watching a game, you may get that little laugh. You may watch the, your favorite team's dugout laugh while they're getting blown out by 12 or more runs. It, it's a bad look for the game. And you shouldn't be able to save your arms in regards to pitching. Instead of that relief pitcher pitching one inning, maybe you should push them and get two innings out of them. That starter that you only want to see one or two times through the batting order, maybe you should give them a couple more batters. And hopefully baseball and their teams start to kind of respond to it. If you start with 12 or 11 pitchers on a staff and you don't have the relief core to run reliever after reliever at a given team on a given day, you're going to be more careful with your starter. You're going to push them a little more. You're going to push your relievers a little bit more than just getting three outs. With that, I think there is a chance you could see a little more action in a game of baseball. Has the pendulum swung way too much towards the pitchers? Yes. And you know what? 1968, the so-called year of the pitcher, resulted in a dramatic rule change in regards to the mount being lowered. And that changed offense. You had a little bit of an offensive resurgence in the 1970s. Like I said uh, on my contending baseball show, Last week, we talked about the 1980s and how that really wasn't the livest of ball eras in regards to offense. No 50 home run hitter. The average in baseball was down, certainly less than the 70s and the 90s, which were obviously more offensive, rampant decades. So we're going to move to a little bit of a somber note. Major League Baseball lost... An iconic type of player. And I'm not just saying it because the person's passed, but uh, very few players can have the type of impact that former Major League pitcher Mike Marshall had. Mike Marshall is known for his 1974 season where he pitched in 106 games and pitched over 200 innings as a relief pitcher. Was the first reliever to ever win a Cy Young Award. He worked very hard in regards to... Uh, Keeping, you know, keeping plans in regards of how to stay healthy, how to stay on the mound, how to be in a regular routine to be able to manage your innings. He did that over a course of a decade in Major League Baseball. Nine times in Major League Baseball history as a pitcher pitched in over 90 games. Mike Marshall was one to pitch in 90 games over three of those times, for three of those times. Kent Colvey, the other three are Wayne Granger, Pedro Feliciano, and Solomon Torres for those keeping score at home. 
But Mike Marshall had a great impact on baseball in his post-playing days. Spent a lot of time work working on on physical and mental health as it applies to pitching. And pitching as mental as it can be. You know, it's kind of one of those um, what it, what do you call it? You know, hard outs. A bad game can impact a pitcher's career for a the rest of their their time pitching. Pitchers are out of baseball after one moment. You know, and I hate to bring up the tragic, uh, uh, saddening story involving Donnie Moore, but Donnie Moore and that Dave Henderson home run in Game Five of the 1986 ALCS with the Angels and the Red Sox impacted his life. He never recovered from that. And sure, part of that was fans. But think about it. He didn't live in a social media world that we live in today. So imagine if Donnie Moore had given up a home run like that today. Donnie Moore would have a Twitter account. Donnie Moore's Twitter account would get pounded by many irrational baseball fans, many of whom will refuse to identify themselves. And Donnie Moore took it seriously. You get it. The worst thing he did there was he he tried to kill his wife. Thank God his wife survived. He made the decision to end his own life. We wish that he didn't. But it, it just shows how serious this game can be. And how you could have a moment where you're on the top and you could fall quickly to the bottom like it's nothing. Yeah, there's that story about that uh, that Latin American soccer player to kick the ball in his own goal. Yeah, within a week he was found murdered because of how serious they take soccer in those countries. So you understand that there is a mental side of pitching. There's a mental side of hitting. You've heard Steve Springer, the former Major League infielder, spend many times talking about that. And Mike Marshall did a great job to bring up mental health in regards to pitching, but also the things that need to be done to keep you strong and stable and able to maintain. So rest in peace, Mike Marshall. Last thing we're going to jump into and spend a couple minutes on. You know, I I was pretty adamant coming into the postseason in my belief in the Los Angeles Lakers. And I looked at the Lakers, the defending NBA champions, a team that, by the way, is extremely deep if you look at it. The problem is, is that they can't go anywhere where LeBron James and Anthony Davis don't take them. They may go eight or nine deep, but six or seven of them are not LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I spoke about the importance of LeBron and AD being healthy over the course of this entire series. They're playing a good Phoenix Suns team. They're playing a Phoenix team that's ready to go and ready to get them. They have a chip on their shoulder. Chris Paul, one of the best players to play in the NBA. And if you're looking at best NBA players of all time, it's hard to get through 20 or 25 of them without naming Chris Paul. 
He's had that type of impact. He's had that type of impact on the Phoenix Suns this year. Obviously, you know about Devin Booker. You know about DeAndre Ayton. And the, the young players that they have with that Phoenix team and how they've risen to prominence in the Western Conference and the National Basketball Association. But you gotta you got to look at the impact of Chris Paul there. Chris Paul has done wonders for that team. And I think the only reason that the Lakers are still alive is that Chris Paul himself is battling a tough, reoccurring shoulder injury. And you know it's impacting him on the basketball court. A healthy Chris Paul, and the Lakers will be home already. So you say, do the Lakers have a chance? Well, I think they could win game six. You think about the Lakers as they're getting set to play game six. Down a game, facing elimination for the first time. The question is going to be, can Anthony Davis be on the court in uniform and play? He couldn't play in game five. Is he going to need a little bit of a Willis Reed moment just to be in uniform, start the game? I don't know. But it's hard to see them beating Phoenix even in L.A. with the fans back without a healthy Anthony Davis. And it's a shame because I would have liked to see, in spite of LeBron and A.D. being out and the Lakers kind of falling back to the pack, having to play in that uh, play-in tournament, I would have liked to see what the Lakers are at full strength. I don't think we're going to get to see that. If you could get AD to make an impact in Game 6, Game 7s, you know how they are. Anything can happen. Not necessarily what you expect will happen. Do the Lakers get to Game 7? And I think it's going to be hard for them to do without Anthony Davis. And like I said, you know, for those historians out there, for those Knicks fans that remember Willis Reed and his injury... And the fact that he probably didn't belong on a court at all because he was that hurt. The fact that he went out there and walked into the arena at MSG, was announced into the starting lineup, went out on a court, hit a couple shots. That made the difference for the Knicks. Can AD being on the court make a difference for the Lakers? I don't think you can win two games that way. You're playing in L.A.? Like I said, the Willis-Reed effect with Anthony Davis if he steps on the court, I think he could beat the Suns in Game 6. Yes, anything could happen in Game 7, but I think it's hard to see the Lakers getting through. And you know what? If Anthony Davis isn't going to be healthy over the long period of time, it's just delaying the inevitable. If the Lakers slip past the Suns and advance to the next round, We're to play in what? The Nuggets? It's just delaying the inevitable. Because they're going to get blown out. Unless LeBron is 100% or close to it. And AD is the same thing. You need those guys to be healthy. As always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Pass Ball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLA.com. By St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey. By Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. If you're interested, you can check out my show on the Contender, Contending Baseball. 
which is going to air on the contender. You could search the contender, contender.com or Google it up there. It's called Contending Baseball. Uh, you're going to hear excerpts from this show, but a lot of different things as we talk about America's pastime. We're back with you next week. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.